Immaculate Basil, Mackie to those who knew her best, was a 27-year-old from the Kushchi Reservation near Vanderhoof in British Columbia, Canada. She was a city girl and had a five-year-old son. On June 13, 2013, she went to a party in the Tachi River area, attended by friends and family. After the party, Mackie left with two men she knew. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. good times to end. In fact, this is the perfect theme since just a few weeks ago, many children were hoping the summer would last just one more day, or another week, or even longer. As adults, we get to about the fifth day of our week vacation and start wondering why we didn't take off for two weeks. The weekend getaway suddenly includes an additional day if we have the courage to call in sick on Monday. And after hours venues, many illegally, have popped up all over the U.S. because people just aren't ready to go home after a night at the club. For Immaculate Mackie Basil, this was very much the same situation. She had just gotten out of a relationship and was single again. An attractive young woman, she was ready to put herself back on the market, as it were. So she went to a party on her reservation. After, she left with two men she trusted to seemingly continue the good times. Then she disappeared, and the rest of us are left to figure out what happened at the after party. And now, a summary of the case. Immaculate Basil had one of the most unique names among her friends and family of the First Nation community near Vanderhoof, British Columbia. And although they lived in one of the lesser populated regions of Canada, Mackie preferred steel and concrete over trees and wildlife. She was the mother of a five-year-old son, but a relationship she was in had just ended before Mackie disappeared. Most importantly, given that her cousin Bonnie Joseph had vanished in 2007 on the Highway of Tears, Mackie was very cognizant of how dangerous that area of Canada could be, and she took steps to protect herself. On June 13, 2013, having just gotten out of that relationship, Mackie took up an invitation to go to a party attended by many people she knew. Her friends and family saw her there, and Mackie was having a great time. However, over the next few days, no one could locate Mackie, and she never returned to get her son. She was never seen again. The following factors have complicated the investigation of Immaculate Basil's disappearance. Number one, two men, one being a cousin of Mackie's, who allegedly left the party with Mackie that night, who kept their mouth shut until it was obvious Mackie was missing. Number two, Sightings of Mackie after that night that are on the public record but have long since been debunked. And number three, the recent revelation that Canadian authorities have understated violence against First Nation women, possibly by at least 100%. Mackie's family fears the worst. Her case remains unsolved. The guest for this episode is Vanessa Joseph, Mackie's cousin. Unfound news. 
This past weekend, I had time to put together a collage of all the cases covered by Unfound in Year 2. Those would be the cases from August 1, 2017 to August 31, 2018. Yes, I know, it's 13 months. But that makes it possible to use the beginning of September as the official start of Unfound from now on. So the collection has everyone from Kent Jacobs to Bonnie Joseph on it. And a shirt with this collage on the back is now available at myshopify.com. Please check it out. Next, I've also had some time to start working on some other items for the My Shopify store. As I've stated before, Unfound will never have any merchandise that does not have the pictures of its missing people on them. You will notice that as more items become available. Finally, Joyce Rivetuzzo, mother of Peggy and Patty McDaniel, called me earlier this week to tell me about her experience at Florida's Missing Persons Day in Tallahassee. I unfortunately couldn't go due to my dog sitting for my brother and his wife. Joyce's daughters were recognized in the ceremony, and many people in law enforcement came up to Joyce to let her know they are now working on the case. This is after almost 40 years of her not even being able to get a call back. Joyce insists that it was Unfound's work, along with Mary Lyle, that has made this happen. I must add, though, that it is a listener, Ray Lynn, who's also done so much work helping Joyce. I hope the progress continues, and Joyce finally gets to bring her daughters home. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Concerning Facebook... Please join us on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Unfound Live Show on the Unfound page. I also need to give a thanks to all of the new followers on the Podomatic app. You can email the program unfoundpodcast at gmail.com, the website unfoundpodcast.com, the website at tribtotalmedia, triblive.com, forward slash news, forward slash unfound. Unfound has Patreon and PayPal accounts. I need to thank these supporters this week. Matthew and Andrea. Unfound Merchandise, Volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 on Amazon in both paperback and ebook form. If you've bought one of them, please give them a nice review. The playing cards, go to makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And search for almost all of Unfound's cases at myshopify.com. You'll be noticing quite a few additions to the My Shopify site in the upcoming weeks. And please mention Unfound on all True Crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. It's my pleasure to have back on Unfound, Vanessa Joseph. Vanessa, welcome back to Unfound. Hi. Today we are going to be talking about your, another cousin, Immaculate, uh, known as Mackie, Basil, this is an, uh, another disappearance in your family, which I, I really uh, can't imagine. Probably the the closest thing we've come to that this on Unfound so far is when uh, I covered the disappearance of two daughters uh, here in Florida back in 1979. Uh, their mother, Joyce Rivetuzzo, was on my program on Unfound about a year and a half ago to talk about that. I think that's the closest thing uh, so far. Uh, regarding two f- people in the same family. So you have another cousin of yours who went missing, but this time in 2013, so six years after Bonnie disappeared. 
Let's start here uh, regarding Immaculate Mackie Basil. How did she get her first name, Immaculate? Do you know? Um, her mom named her Immaculate, and I can't remember the story behind it or anything, but I thought it was a pretty awesome name. <laughs> you, awesome name. Did you just say that? That's funny. An awesome name. I think so, too. I, I yeah. I don't think, um, you know, I'm 48 years old. I don't think that I've known anybody with that first name. So uh, did uh, Mackie's mother name any of her other kids kind of what you might call strange names? Or was that just her? No, it was just her. <laughs> just her. Well, that's, there has to, uh, I would, you know, if you ever find out one of these days more deep into that, I would love to know because we do have some um, unusual first names on this program. And I always like to. Here maybe where they came from. So um, if you ever get that story, I'd love to know, and I'd love to pass it on to the listeners. I just need, thought we needed to comment on that. Um, as I start out any uh, any interview like this, tell the listeners a little bit about Mackie. That's what we're going to refer to her uh, in this uh, episode, or I guess her nickname, Mackie. What kind of person was she? What kind of personality? And tell us a little. Tell the listeners a little bit about her. She was a mother of a son. She loved her son. Her world revolved around her child. She was a hard worker. She loved decorating. She, all the events, she went above and beyond to decorate for her child, her son, Jameson. Mm-hmm. Her world revolved around him after she had had him. Yeah, and uh, how old is he now? How old is Jameson? He's 11. Okay. So I guess he would have been about six years old when she disappeared. Was she, uh, she liked to decorate, uh, like kind of an outgoing personality? Um, you know, how, um, how often did you see her? Was she somebody that, you saw very often in your community there, or how did you to know? Um, you know, I know it was family, but did you hang out a lot? What would you say uh, the situation was there? Well, I was just moving home. I went to school for a lot of years. That's how I got to see Bonnie a lot because I wasn't on the reserve. I was living in Prince George and in Merritt and just getting an education and. So I was just moving home and like getting re-getting to know Mackie because she had a child and she was basically just a homebody and revolved around her baby and yeah. we were all working and having our jobs and our own lives and you know we started to rekindle and get like be involved in one another's lives again and. Yeah. visit her and this and that and she used to always um cook um porridge for Jameson in the morning and she'd put frozen huckleberries in it for him to cool Ooh, it off. That sounds good. I always thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds real yeah. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now being that she is your cousin, uh of course she is also considered to be uh, an indigenous indigenous person of Canada, part of the First Nation community as well. Yes. Okay. Great. 
Uh, did she, um, you said the, 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 her world revolved around her son, Jameson. Um, did she raise Jameson with the boy's father or did she have a new yes. boyfriend or what was the situation? She raised her son with, um, her, the father and they were going through a, a breakup at the time of her going missing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Were they were they married? Were they, so does that mean they were getting divorced or just um uh, just splitting up? Yeah, they were um common law. Okay. Common law relationship and they were just breaking up. Okay. And you had, had told me that um he was probably the instigator of this. He maybe found another woman or something like that. Is is that correct? Yes. Okay. We don't have to mention his name or anything at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's a mother. Uh, she's with the the boy's father. They have a common law marriage. But right around the time of, I guess, going into the summer of 2013, they're having some relationship problems. Uh, I guess he's moving on. Uh, did did um, Mackie work? Did she have a job or? What did she do? What other things was she into? Well, at the time, her son was um, five, so he was just entering school. So she started um, doing uh, subs for all of the buildings. So, and she pretty much had a full time job. So whoever was um, not going to be at work or was unable to go to work, she'd take their spot as the receptionist or Okay. Uh, TA, a teacher's assistant at the school. Okay. So she did um, that. Okay. While her son started school, so she was entering back to the workforce slowly. Okay. Like I said, her life revolved around Jameson, and he was sure. starting preschool, so she had time for herself. All right, so she and uh, that happens to a lot of men and women. Uh, when their son or daughter starts going to school, maybe they mm-hmm. get a, a second job or maybe even a first job. Okay. Yeah. Anything that, uh, of course, uh, talking when we talked about uh, your other cousin Bonnie uh, in the previous episode, you know, she had some things. She was hitchhiking. Um, maybe had some things that she was fighting in her life as far as addictions and things go. Anything like that uh, regarding Mackie? Anything like that? No. No. She was partying. She was drinking. Okay. I'm just saying ongoing, ongoing issues. Everybody's allowed to go to a party once in a while, but I'm just saying anything that she was maybe fighting in her life. Not that we know of, like, okay, like I said, she was her life revolved around her son Jameson and her breakup with um her the father was just as surprising to us mm-hmm. as probably it was to her, you know, because one day they were there and then she was drinking and said that they weren't together anymore and we're just like, wow, 
who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like that they were coming to to that. We just thought that they were all happy and all everything was good and they were gonna live their lives together forever and we had no clue mm-hmm. <laughs> that they that they were coming that they were having problems. Yeah, there's that saying that, you know, you never know what goes on behind closed doors, right? You think you know mm-hmm. a relationship or a person, and then maybe you find out, you know, somewhere down the road that you don't. Um, mm-hmm. You'd already mentioned this party, so this party happened. Um, we should just clarify, uh, she was living and you were living in Fort St. James, 2013? We were living on the reserve called Clasden First Nations, and it's outside of Fort St. James. It's about 60 kilometers from Fort St. James. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's where you all were living. And there, as you already mentioned, this party that took place, I guess, on June 14th, 2013. What, um, tell the listeners a little bit about that party, who was throwing it, who was there. What do you know about it uh, five years later? was a regular house party and family, mm. mostly family were there and was just, and a dude named Victor was there and. Were you there? Did you go? No, I, I don't drink. I don't. You don't go to parties? Okay. No. <laughs> okay. All right, Vinna. Well, you said family and. I don't think that's a question I've asked you before. So when you say family, I have to ask, being that I know you're part of the family, uh, maybe you can maybe explain um, maybe some of the other family members that were there besides Mackie, just to give the listeners an idea. It was just mostly all our cousins all together at a house party. and Okay. Just a normal house party and okay. didn't think nothing of it, didn't. You know, just thought, oh, yeah, they're going to have fun tonight. Okay. And was this a party mainly just for people on the reservation? Mainly? Yeah, usually it's just... Okay. Normal house party that happens there. Okay. Um, Any idea how many people were there? You know, 10 people, 20 people? I'm not even sure how many people were there. All I know is that she left with two of them. And... Okay. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, so she's at this party, and friends and family are there. They're having a good time. And at some point, she left the party. Um, was she supposed to come home that night? Um, and, she, of course, she didn't come home. But uh, when did people start getting worried about Mackie? Well, her sister always called, like, her Mackie and her sisters, Ida and Crystal, would always um, call each other, like, every day at a, at 10 a.m., like, in the morning. They talk, do their parenting stuff, their motherly duties, and then call each other every day. They'd have a mm-hmm. chat just to let each other know that they're okay and, yeah. you know, just have their sisterly chats every morning and Saturday 
Friday, there was no answer or no call. Then Crystal's like, oh, made a note of it. Like, oh, um, Mackie didn't come back or Mackie didn't call today. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe she's over at Seoul, like her other, her brother's house, who doesn't have a phone and maybe she's hung over. Then didn't pay, like didn't think anything of it. Then Saturday, she didn't call her sister again. So her sister was living in Burns Lake at the time, called and said, well, where's Mackie? So she started calling all of the houses that had phones and asked where's Mackie was. And again, they said over at Nick's and Nick and Ashley didn't have, they didn't have a phone at the time. And so they just kind of left it as that. And then Sunday she didn't call and that's when she freaked out and she said, there's something wrong, Mackie doesn't call. and. Her makeup bag is at home and she didn't take extra clothes, so they came back. Mm-hmm. So Sunday, her sister started freaking out and getting everybody to look around. And then Monday morning, she made the call that they didn't hear from Mackie. She's not anywhere in Tache. And mm-hmm. the cops didn't come till Tuesday. So the cops didn't come until the next day to check it out and to do an actual missing persons report. Would this have been the, once again, as we talked about in the prior episode you were on, is this the Royal Canadian Mounted Police or is this maybe a yep. local RCMP? Yeah. Okay. So uh, just so the listeners understand, we think of parties, maybe we think of Friday or Saturday nights. This was a party that was actually held on a Thursday night. Thursday. Yes. Okay. Thursday. Okay. And then it was so Friday, get a little worried. Saturday, a little more worried. Sunday, a lot worried. And then by Monday, it's uh, freaking out. Is the, yeah. The pretty much. Okay. The missing uh, persons report that was made. Okay. And during those uh, three days, um, did Mackie have a cell phone? Were people trying to call her? Did she just have a house phone? Do you know? She didn't have a cell phone, so okay. So it was just calling her brothers and where she used to live with her boyfriend to see if she was there because they had a house phone and all her friends, all her best friends to see maybe if she want to visit them. Mm-hmm. So by Sunday afternoon, everyone was freaking out and phoning each other and looking and driving around and making sure like holy yeah. she's not around yeah and i get the idea although i've never been to british columbia or you know of course we've never met or anything but you have a fairly tight-knit community you know everybody yeah. kind kind of knows everybody and certainly most of the people would know who mackie was and nobody that none none of these people had seen her mm-hmm. and we we know each other well enough to know our our behaviors and our patterns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Were you able to track down in that time, in that time where it was anybody able to track down anybody who was at that party who said, well, you know what, you know, she was, you know, maybe was a little liquored up or, you know, something didn't seem right. Or she got into a fight with somebody. Did you track down any of the people who were at that party that night? We're going to talk about, 
a couple guys here in a second, but anybody else, any women, let's say, who saw her at the party that could comment? No, like, um, like we all didn't know that she left with, she left and mm-hmm. like, we all just thought she partied and she was either at Nick's place who has no phone or visiting a, a friend, like one of her good friends and, Mm-hmm. And I went to work. I went to work on Saturday, so I knew a mm-hmm. Friday. I knew that they still didn't. She didn't call her sister Saturday. I went to work, and then Sunday, her sister called me at work, freaking out, saying Mackie's missing. And I was just like, "Holy crap! What? Call Nick. Mm-hmm. Call call whoever." And she's like, "I did." And I said, mm-hmm. "Well, call around tomorrow." And then, you know, we just kind of had our conversation about that, trying to calm down her fears, trying to figure out, like, what do you mean, missing? She can't be. She's in Tache somewhere. And kind of maybe the nightmares of uh, Bonnie's disappearance all come back to you, right? That's probably Mm -hmm. what you're thinking, being that we already have discussed her uh, disappearance on a prior episode. Right, those mm-hmm. all those things, you know, start adding up, you know, start coming back, all those horrible feelings that I know that you continue to have to this day. Um, mm-hmm. did how did she get how did uh, Mackie get to this party? Could was this just something she could walk to or did she get a ride? Yeah. Or? Like right on the reserve and it's about a twenty minute walk from where she lives. Mhm. It's like where I live, it's like a hop, skip, and a jump from where I live. Mm-hmm. The twenty-minute okay. walk where Mackie lives. So, so she could walk there, and uh, so there's no need to think that maybe she got a ride there and and didn't get a ride home. We just don't know. So the police um, get called on Monday. They don't show up till Tuesday. And at what point did the names? And we're not going to say their last names. But at what point did Keith and Victor, when did their names kind of um, get mentioned as being, you know, having been around Mackie or talked to her or she left with them? When did that come out in all of this? Um, When the cops started doing their um, initial investigation about the missing persons report and that was on Tuesday mm-hmm. so they kind of interviewed everybody in the at the party who they could figure out like however they figure out who's at parties mm-hmm. so they did their initial interview with starting there and then they found out that she left with Keith and Victor and then all of that went down and when and I just have to ask, being that in those few days your family was all calling around, did did were the names Keith and Victor, did they ever pop up when you were talking to you know, Mackie's um you know, her part side of the family, any sisters or mother or anybody like that? Did those two names ever okay. come up at that time? No, the only thing we knew is that she was partying with them. Mhm. And and that's I guess that's how they tracked her back to the house party and 
getting in with them, going to the cabin with them. And so I don't know, like, it, it wasn't until Tuesday when we found out that those they were with her. Okay. Why don't you tell the listeners uh, a little bit about Keith uh, and then a little bit about Victor. Who are they? Keith is our other cousin and he's a pretty upstanding kid. Like he's a hardworking boy and always worked and mm-hmm. he's okay. younger than both of us, both um, Mackie and I. Okay. So... Okay, so he and was he at the party, and he's a family member. Yeah, and they were just all all drinking, and Keith likes to party because he's young and single, a hard worker, and you know he's of of age, and he likes to do his young person things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. And okay, and I I just have to ask, being that he is a cousin. And so he's a cousin of yours. He's a cousin of Mackie's. Um, was he never contacted during these like three days you were looking for her? Did anybody, did not one of your family, you know, know that he was there and not ask him, hey, did you see Mackie that night? Did that not come no, up? No, like, we didn't even think that, we didn't even think nothing. Like we didn't even know what happened to her, where she was until Tuesday. Like I said, like we didn't okay. have no clue. We just knew Mackie was somewhere and she's not found. Like she's not, and it's out of character because she loves wearing makeup and she always changes her clothes. So for her not to bring her makeup and extra set of clothes was, that was the, trigger for her sister crystal that something serious was wrong right Mm -hmm. and then we have this other guy victor who is a victor is not a a member of your family he's not a cousin who is he um he's he comes from fort st james and i've known him to be not a very upstanding person and Okay. I know that he he used to be mean to his ex-wife and stuff like that and I didn't like um I'm scared of him to be honest with. Like, okay. And that's I why we're just going to that's why we're just using first names here. Um uh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't I'm afraid of him and I wouldn't be in the, be left alone with him like you know what I mean like Okay. That's just how afraid I am. Did you know that uh, Keith and Victor were friends? No. I. I Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you, maybe? Just because of their age difference. But then again, Keith works hard, and I don't know who he works with or where Mm. he works. I just know he goes to camp, he comes back and goes to camp and comes back. And Okay. So Keith uh, was um, younger than Mackie. And how old would you say that Victor is? You're saying that he's like 10 years older than Keith or 15 years older? Or... He's older than me. Older than me. And older than you. So maybe my age, like 48 he would be now, maybe? Oh, no, no. He's probably in his 50s. Oh, he's in his 50s. 
So he would have been like maybe 20 years older than Keith, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Funny. Okay. And so Keith is a cousin, but is Victor, is he a member of the indigenous people of Canada, First Nation, or is he? Yes, he is. Oh, he is. Okay. So uh, all, of, all of these people were at this party, and somehow the police find out through somebody that or saw maybe saw this i think it what you told me is that somebody saw mackie leave with keith and victor even though neither of these guys i mean surely they heard about people trying to find mackie over those three days at least keith would have been that he's a member of your family you know he never came forward to say anything and neither did victor but they um allegedly left with Mackie in a white truck and you've already mentioned the cabin tell the listeners what they say happened up at the cabin what they what their stories well um what we were told was that Victor had to go up to to what's called um Middle River or Grand Rapids I do I'm sorry Grand Rapids and okay. um to pick up um tin roofing Okay. And I don't know why he chose to leave so so late at night. Why he may he was making a trip there at that time of the night, but he was supposed to go up there and pick up uh, metal metal red roofing for a local elder, and mm-hmm. I guess Mackie and Keith wanted to get a ride or they went for a ride with him to go get that. I'm not too sure. Okay. But they ended up going up to that cabin and when they were coming back, they got into an accident. There was an accident where the white truck got damaged. Well, let's, uh, let's back up here for a second. So the three of them go to this cabin and only two of them come came back. Uh, what do you know? What Keith and Victor's story as as in regards to why Mackie went with them, but then didn't end up with them. Did they? What do they say? They woke up the morning she was gone. What do they say? I don't know. Um, they never really talked to the public or really uh-huh. did any kind of interviews with any of us or anything. Like they never really said anything. But they did work with the cops, and whatever they told the cops, the cops know. So, okay. And they really didn't share with us where Mackie, they last seen her, or, or anything like that. So, okay. Well, Keith, I can understand maybe Victor uh, maybe keeping his mouth shut or something, but... Uh, Keith is a family member. He's you, you say he's a cousin of yours. He's a cousin of Mackie's. Um, has he never, in the last five years, told anybody in the family? You know, I'm not saying it's the truth, but has he not tried to give an explanation to anybody? I mean, at a family gathering, you know, or something. Does nobody no. ever ask? Does nobody ever ask him? No, we haven't asked him. I got to, I, because I have to do this, is there a reason that nobody wants to bring up Mackie to him, being that 
He was allegedly one of the last people to see her. Is there a reason that that hasn't happened? I have to ask. I don't know. I'm. I haven't even thought about that, or so I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Have you have you been in Keith's company? Have you been in person with him since 2013? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Mackie, you never asked him, hey, what happened that night that Mackie disappeared? No. I, I, I once, ag- once again, I have to ask, is that maybe a little out of fear or uh, maybe just don't feel like putting him on the spot or has somebody, the police or somebody else told you not to do that? Just don't know how to bring it up. Like, how do you talk about that? Like, I don't know. Like, I okay. I don't have those kinds of skills to <laughs> okay. be able to start a okay. conversation like that. And All right. Out of fear, I don't. I don't know. I really didn't. Okay. I think I'm still trying to wrap myself around the fact that my cousin's missing, and we don't even know where she is or who's involved, and. Do you believe that any, at least maybe not in your presence, but have you heard through the grapevine that maybe some of your other family members have asked Keith and he doesn't want to talk about it? Do you know of anybody who's, you know, outside of the police who specifically asked him what happened that night? No, not that I know of. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just, I, I just, have to ask you do understand why i'm asking this you know it does you know seem a little I, i'm just being honest with you that it does seem a little strange mm-hmm. you know what i mean just being honest that uh, i would think that you know i have a fairly big family i have my family and i have my biological family i was adopted so i have like a double sized family probably than your average uh person and, you know, I know if one of our family members disappeared and another family member was allegedly with that person, I'm sure that we'd all be asking that family member, so what happened? I think. I'm mm-hmm. not in your I'm not in your shoes. I think yeah. that I would do that's why I'm asking you that. I don't want I don't want you to take this personally. I'm just trying to say that that's probably what I would do. I'm just asking if you've considered that. Mm-hmm. There's many times I wanted to ask him, but I've never brought myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, and mostly it's like I don't want to kind of like make things worse than it already is because we are from a tiny little community and, you know, yeah, we have to learn, we have to coexist here. Okay. I understand. We'll move For on. Me, that is and that's and fine. Then there's some I get enough courage, and I want to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> up enough. Okay. Back. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just just wondering. Maybe you know uh, if you're a little uh, hesitant about it. Maybe that might be something you need to talk with some of your other family members and just talk about it. You know, if mm-hmm. you think it's the right thing to do, maybe a good conversation at some point. We can move on. Um, now, it should be known that uh, the police did talk to Keith and Victor and um, gave them a polygraph test, among other things. And how did those two do? 
The cops said they were cooperative and that they answered all their questions and they did they did everything that and fully participated in everything the cops wanted them to do. So Okay. Uh is it your understanding that they were both given lie detector tests and they both passed them? Is that your understanding? Yes. That is your understanding. Yeah. Okay. And you also told me that um, that uh, the RCMP has some sort of um, psychologist or something like that who talked to both of them. And what did that person say? He believed that um, they were they were upstanding and they were telling the truth and okay. they had nothing to hide. And so he gave a good report about these individuals so okay but i uh, be even so i i'm guessing that uh, i'm sure the police asked what happened up at that cabin if they went up there you personally don't know uh that hasn't leaked out or and, and really the police are under no obligation to tell you that but it hasn't leaked out but i'm sure the police asked them well you left with this woman and now she's disappearing what happened so for so we don't know what the story is, but the police seem to believe whatever the story is. And on top of that, if we're to believe lie detector tests, they're not perfect, that whatever mm -hmm. they told the cops was the truth. Presumably. Yeah, because nobody is questioning it or even the cops aren't questioning. Okay. So... All right. Well, that's cer that's certainly a stumper there. Okay. Um, did the police go up to the cabin? I mean, unlike once again in your other family member Bonnie's disappearance, where people didn't realize for you know, police report wasn't filled out for months. This was just about four or five days later. Um, would like it the next day, but what are you going to do? Four or five days is better than a month. Um, did the police go up to that cabin? Did they bring dogs up there? Did were any searches done around the cabin? Anything like that? They did a search for for about a week, I do believe. It wasn't very long that they they mm. searched. They brought dogs and it rained like it was a it was just a bad bad week. <laughs> it mm -hmm. rained that night too, so Mm. And it hailstormed, and it was just a really miserable weekend that weekend. Yeah, and that's going to probably make it a little tough for dogs. Uh, I, I'm kind of just suspicious of dogs mm -hmm. in general, but that's going to make it tough mm -hmm. for them. But they did a search, didn't that's find anything. Person. No. And our people searched everywhere we pretty much. There's a map that's existing of the area that we searched, and that map is pretty much highlighted. The mm -hmm. whole area is pretty much highlighted in yellow because okay. everyone just kept marking down where they went already. And it was like the whole map. So our people searched for her. Mm hmm Okay, so we have these two guys uh, who exa didn't exactly come forward. I think they, I, I'm with the impression that they were left to be found. 
by somebody else mentioning that they were with uh, Mackey that night. Police talked to him for a couple days. Polygraph passed. Um, police psychologist interviewed them. Believed they were telling the truth. Uh, nothing found in this cabin. Um, no signs that I guess Mackey was even at the cabin. But you've already mentioned this already. I don't know what to make of this, but we need to talk about it. I don't know if this has something to do with the disappearance or not, but you had this truck story. First of all, please tell the listeners how you even found out about this, the story of these two trucks. First of all, how, how did you even find that out? Well, when they figured out that she was with um, Victor and Keith um, that night, Mackie went home and picked up a, a two-six from her brothers. And there she mentioned that's who she was with. But when, when they realized that that truck was involved, Victor's truck, because they didn't know which truck or what kind of vehicle he had, but that truck was on the Leo Creek where near where she was, where she went missing. And so they backtracked because they mentioned that she, they went to the cabins to pick up tin roof. So they went back up to the cabins by the road and they found a accident site and the white truck got in, into an accident coming out of the cabins. And so they went back and picked up a truck that was at the cabins and it was a black truck. And mm -hmm. they used that black truck to pull out the white truck. Okay. And, and once again, how did you how did you even hear this story? Who told you this story? How did you find that out? Because the markings of the trees, there was a, an area where mm. there's pieces of the white truck and the lights and all the damage on the white truck. And there's a tree there that's broken in half where they hit and. Mm. To break a tree that size in half, you you probably you have to be going fast. Okay. And the amount of damage on that truck. Okay. When did you all? When did you personally find, hear or discover this story about these trucks? Was it a week after, on, a month after? Much on Tuesday. Okay. After the cops got involved and they. They went and did all of the, checked out all these sites and found all of the damage. And they found the white truck on the Leo Creek Road. And that okay. was parked at number 16. And it had a cable cord around the axle of it. So it couldn't drive anymore because there was a thing wrapped around the front axle. So that truck was parked on the Leo Creek Road. So they went back to the cabin mm. and there they found all the damage to the tree and all the truck parts and and are are you guessing maybe that uh are you guessing maybe that Keith and Victor told this entire story to the police? I'm not even sure. You don't know? 
no. Okay. All I'm asking is how, I mean, who, who, how do you know that they went back and got the black truck unless somebody. Because the black truck is always parked at the cab, the cabin. Mm-hmm. That's like a, to haul wood and stuff like that at the cabin. It's mm-hmm. like an, an old truck that runs, but it's usually just for there. Like they leave that truck there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So just to go through this again, because uh, it's a little confusing. Uh, mm-hmm. Mackie's at this party. Somebody sees her with Kent and Victor. Uh, at some Keith. point after that, Keith and Victor, and at some point, these two guys end up at the cabin. And it's, once again, at some point, we're going to guess that night or the next morning, they're leaving the cabin, obviously without Mackie, and they're in the white truck, and they hit this tree, Get the, the, the vehicle gets stuck, the white truck gets stuck, they go back at the other truck to, to pull that one out, the black one out, Drive the black one back to the cabin, but continue to drive the wrecked one, and then the white wrecked one breaks down a little down the road. I don't know if they drove that black truck back to the cabin. It was okay. near near the Leo Creek Road, too. Okay. But whatever the case, it seems like they left the black truck or, or whatever and continued to drive the, the wrecked truck for some reason. Yes. For some reason that is still... We don't know what that reason is five years later. You don't know that. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this white truck was just sitting along the side of the road because there was a cable that had been attached. Maybe they forgot to unhitch this cable after pulling that truck out and it got wrapped around the axle and damaged the transmission or something, ruined an axle or something. And it was stuck along the side of the road. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's just, there's no proof that, is there any proof that Mackie was involved in any of this? Was she uh, there when they wrecked that truck or anything like that? Do you even know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. All they know is that she left with them and not even sure. At what point she went missing or nothing. Okay. And it doesn't seem to me like Victor and Keith have been very forthcoming. They've not even, have they even even put out a story through the grapevine that they woke up and she was gone? Anything even to the, as simplistic as that? No. Okay. Nope. Okay. Now, in reading a little bit about this, I mean, you do realize that it makes Keith and Victor look very suspicious, of course. You don't need to be a missing persons expert to see that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, was reading a little bit about this disappearance, and there was an alleged sighting of Mackie the next morning. However, in a prior conversation, I brought that up to you, and you believe that that sighting is not true, right? Yeah, um, the cops they investigated all of those um, those sightings and interviewed the people that were involved, and nothing came of nothing came of it. And 
all of it was all rumors and okay okay so as far as you know uh any sightings of mac after that night of the party have not been proven no, there's no proof that anybody actually saw Mackie after the night of the party. Nope. There's okay. no proof at all. No proof. Okay. Because once again, like I said, there was this uh, in one of the articles from a legitimate source, uh, a newspaper maybe from Canada said that uh, allegedly the next morning that Mackie was walking along the side of the road and talked to a truck driver or something like that. You You don't believe that happened. No, the um, cops said that they talked to all of the people involved and none of them made that claim or they never made that report and they, there was no sighting and it was all just dead ends. Were any, uh, anything that Mackie would have been carrying with her? Did she have a purse? I know she didn't have a phone. I realize she didn't have her makeup, which isn't, I guess, something women would generally bring with them uh, just to go out in, in a town maybe or to go to a party. But was anything of hers ever found at the cabin anywhere? No. No. Unlike Bonnie's, unlike Bonnie's wallet, which was found near a lake, of course, in the prior episode, we talked about your other cousin who disappeared, Bonnie. No, nothing of Mackie's has ever been found. No. Okay. Now there's something else that could have an explanation, but being that Keith and Victor seem to be very tight-lipped uh, regarding all of this, and and haven't even, I mean, you know, in some cases where maybe there's a couple obvious suspects, or suspect or an obvious suspect, that person will try to, you know, kind of explain it away. It's very common. You know, for men whose wives disappear, say, well, we just got up one day and she was gone. And it covered a couple cases like that where it's just not believable. But um, the listeners can take this for what it's worth. You actually saw Victor. Then this was before you even knew that Mackie was missing. But the next morning, you actually saw Victor in town, you know, around where you live or something. Uh, tell the listeners about that. Well, the next morning I went to visit my cousin before I took off to work. Mm -hmm. And I went to go see my cousin Ron and it was about 10 a.m. and Ron was just getting up and he opened the curtains and Victor Lloyd or Victor was walking by and mm -hmm. what we noticed that and it still stands out today is that Victor was wet from the chest down, like his shoulder parts and his arms weren't wet, but from his chest down, he was wet. And we kind of went, hmm, that's something to take note of. And right sure. there, we looked time, it was 10 a.m. And we're like, it's 10 o'clock on the dot. And we both like, mm. Otis, that was out of place and really strange. But at that moment, we didn't know that 
Maki was with them or we didn't mm. even realize. So we both noticed that and we both kind of went, that's weird. Well, it's also very interesting because here he is uh, on your reservation, right? This is where you saw this. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He's on your reservation yeah. at 10 in the morning, the the morning after this party. Whereas we are to believe that he and Keith and Mackie went to a cabin. And how far is the cabin from your reservation? It's about an hour drive. All right. So let's let's think about this for the second. Just putting this all into a timeline. So the, the night before, do we even know the time that maybe Mackie left that party that night, the night before? Do you know? Any ideas? About midnight. Okay. Midnight. So she's with Victor and Keith. Midnight. Let's say they go directly to the cabin. That's 1 a.m. And still between 1 a.m. and 10 a.m., Keith and Victor manage the whole truck story somehow. And somehow they end up somehow making it back to your reservation, which is an hour away. Now, we already remember that one white truck is broken. It couldn't have been driven back to the reservation. Do you even know how Victor even got back to the reservation that morning, especially that quickly? No, I don't. He could have hitchhiked because there's lots of um, vehicles that travel that Leo Creek Road. Mm -hmm. It's a Forest Service road, and there's a lot of logging activity on there mm -hmm. and a lot of service trucks. I know okay. there's a lot of service trucks that travel because of breakdowns in, on the blocks, the logging blocks or breakdowns with um, logging trucks or other heavy equipment. So there's always service vehicles on the road too. So mm -hmm. he could have caught a ride with any one of them. Okay. Because I know walking this far, like living in the, this far out in the woods, we don't leave people on the road. <laughs> All right. I guess what I'm saying is that that's a lot to happen in the course of eight hours, let's say. And then all on top of that, he was obviously somewhere right before you saw him. He was in a lake, in a pond, or something up to his chest. Yeah. That guy had a lot happen to him in the course of like eight hours. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a truck wreck, a truck breaking down, having to get another truck, and then making it back to your reservation, which would have taken at least an hour. Hitchhiking is probably going to take more because you got to at least wait 10 minutes for somebody to come by. And then to the point where he did something already that morning that he would have been in water up to his chest. Mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's an eventful 8, 9, 10 hours. Uh, is there a lake or something on your reservation that he could have been in the water and there's any reason he would have been in the water? I don't even know, but there are a, a lot of lakes around around us, lots of different um, little bodies of water. Mm -hmm. And we live right on Stewart Lake. And between our...
Reserve and the 19 kilometer on the Leo Creek Forest Service Road, the bunch mm -hmm. of lakes on the road right beside the road. Well, I guess what I guess what I'm wondering is if he was somewhere like that and caught a ride, is somebody actually going to let a person get into their car or truck when they're wet? And without questioning them too, right? So. Right, right. I mean, I have seat covers on my car, but if I, and I don't pick up hitchhikers, but even if it were a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, and they were wet from the the shoulders down or the chest down, and they wanted to get in my car, I'd be like. I don't think so, <laughs> you know, cause that's going to stink. I mean, you know, that's, that's going to probably ruin a car seat or something. Um, that's a little strange. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, did it look like, uh, from... live on the, we live for, there's lots of bears and wildlife. So mm -hmm. people like here, people wouldn't, wouldn't care about stuff like that. Okay. They'll just pick them up because one is wet and another we're in the middle of nowhere. And who okay. knows when the next vehicle is going to come passing by. Yeah. How we think that's how it is here. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for, okay. thank you for telling me that. Yeah, um, please. Yeah. We won't leave people on the road at all. Like, We'll okay. figure out a way to accommodate them. <laughs> okay. Them. All right. Maybe put them, if it's a pickup truck, maybe have them right in the back or something. Okay. Um, has he, to your knowledge, has Victor ever offered up an explanation for being wet that morning? Uh, you know, you told, you uh, had said earlier that he was headed up there to get a tin roof or a metal roof up at this cabin. Do you even know if he got that? And does he have a job where he would have had to have been in a lake up to his chest? He wouldn't. He doesn't have a job that requires that. And I'm not even sure where or how he got wet or anything mm -hmm. like that. Like what purpose for that? I'm okay. Not, I'm not even sure why. So nobody's uh, nobody's ever asked them that. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering, do you think that the police, being that you saw it, and other, I know you told me other people saw them that, saw them that morning, do you think the police would have asked them about that? I think so, because we mentioned it. Okay, good. Now here's another important part of this. Uh, of course, somebody may be thinking, well, he's soaked. Maybe he did some, they did something to Mackie and maybe put her in a lake. Uh, it's possible. We don't know. But the white truck, when it broke down, did it break down next to a body of water? Um, 16 kilometer, yes. How close, is, how close is the lake to where the truck broke down? Um, within a kilometer. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. And for those of you who don't know... Uh, how long a kilometer is? A kilometer is about, uh, what, 65% of a mile. So uh, about two-thirds of a mile, something like it's like 0.62 of a mile. So not quite two-thirds of a mile, not very far. And the power poles are 50 meters apart, so that would be 20 power poles. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. There you go. Not uh, so, not very far at all. So this truck, this white truck that uh, they were driving, uh, that allegedly he and Keith were in, broke down. And the truck broke down fairly close to a body of water. And then later that day, actually the morning, 10 a.m., you see Victor uh, in clothes and with water up, you know, water marking soaked up to his chest. That's very, very, very interesting. Um, Okay, so we have these two guys. They don't want to talk much. Still seems to be some things that are uh, still up in the air. Uh, regarding this, to your knowledge, has anybody else, is there any chance that uh, Mackie, you know, ran off on her own? Any chance at all? No. Okay. She wouldn't leave Jameson. Right. And being that uh, this relationship that she was in with Jameson's father had come to an end um it seems not long before she disappeared uh do you know if the police have talked to him about the you know the disappearance of Mackie i mean you know as far as alibi goes for that night did he live very far away from where the party was taking place things like that i think the cops talked to everybody talked mm-hmm. to all of us even they talked to us even about um facebook posts like at that time. Yeah, and what were some of those Facebook posts? Like some of the, I even got interviewed because I said, good luck, Mackie. Because I I wrote that on Mm. a comment. I commented that on somebody's Facebook post about, Mm. oh, like, luck, hopefully they find her. And, you know, like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I wrote that. And the cops interviewed me about that post, too, asking me why I why I posted something like that. Do you know where she is? And I was like, what? No. Huh. They could Maybe they interpreted that as that you thought that maybe she ran away and you were wishing her good luck running away or starting a new life or something. Maybe. Yeah, but they interviewed me, and uh, so I'm sure that they interviewed everybody that mm-hmm. involved in Mackie's life, and that had any relationships with her up here. So yeah. I think they interviewed Boy, her, the father of her son, and everybody else. Okay. So we have Keith and Victor uh, possibilities uh, being, once again, a lot of um, holes in their story. A lot of things, it seems, that uh, it would seem very easy for them to explain away, but they haven't owned up to it, at least, you know, at least publicly, you know, amongst their own people, you know, explaining they were with this woman and now she's missing and they haven't offered up even something as simple as we got up the next morning and she was gone. And you have to keep in mind that Keith was a cousin of Mackie's. Um, of course, relationships uh, play a huge part in many disappearances. So there's father of Jameson. Just have to include him just because of who he is. We don't, but we don't know his whereabouts, or um, you know, we just don't know anybody else. Once again, in the last five years, 
any names or any people who have been mentioned that could have had something to do with Mackie's disappearance, anything through the grapevine or anything like that? We've all discussed, like, potential people, like, we hated mm -hmm. on certain individuals, and... Mm -hmm. But really, it could be anybody, and we really don't know. And we okay. pointed out a few individuals that got um, that got investigated too, and still nothing coming from from all of the investigations and the talking and whatnot. Okay, we still don't have answers. When uh, the police wants to talk to your family, who's usually the person they go to? Uh, does uh, Mackie have, um, a, you know, a, a brother or sister that the, the police contact? And how often have the RCMP kept in contact with your family? Do you even know? Um, they normally contact um, her oldest brother, Peter Basil. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when was the last time that they talked to the family and when they did a, an update. Mm -hmm. And I know that I just got recently interviewed about one of my Facebook posts that was posted five years ago on her wall when she first went missing. So I know they're still digging around and doing huh. their job investigating and doing these things because that they talked to me about that post probably just this past winter so not even a year so ago they were t asking you about a facebook post from 2013. yes so yeah. i was kind of shocked and surprised and i was like i am too what? right i barely <laughs> even say what remember what i said like last week um <laughs> I'm okay. really not. So I was kind of like, and then they told me which post it was, showed me the post, and I was like, oh man, I thought they were looking for her in um, Saika's on, on another reserve near Vanderhoek. Mm -hmm. So it was a post about her being there, or they might have seen her there. Hmm. Yeah, that is, I have never, I have to admit, I've never heard that before of a a family member being asked about a social media post from almost five years ago. And you, and yeah. you were never asked about that before? No. So maybe they're just trying different angles, checking out different stories and different things might jog people's memory, you know, like mm -hmm. No clue why they do stuff like that, but I'm just hoping it's because they're finding different leads and different information, and other things are coming up. Okay, okay. I I have to admit that's probably one of the stranger things I've heard recently in regarding a case and what the police are doing. But okay, um, at least they're on it, right? At least they're paying attention. Yeah. So y you know, I don't know how often they. Speak to Peter and the family, because I haven't heard anything in the last year. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping there's an update soon. 
yeah, I just uh, hope they're uh, questioning Keith and Victor a little bit more. And I, you know, once again, what I'm going to take away from this uh, interview with you is that um, I'd certainly like to know what they're telling people. I mean, if you don't know, I'm going to guess the rest of your family doesn't know, but I'm going to guess at least once between 2013 and now somebody has gotten the courage or it's come to mind to ask one of them. So what exactly did happen to Mackie that, you know, I'm guessing that question has been asked. I'm not saying that they, those two guys necessarily answered it, but I'm going to guess they've been asked by some friend or somebody of theirs that they know. Well, Hey, weren't you with that woman who disappeared Mackie? Uh, What's the story? What do you, you know, I'd certainly like to know what the answer to that question is. I'd like to know if they avoided or whatever. So, um, if you hear anything about that, uh, Vanessa, I'd certainly like to know. I know you haven't personally done it, and we've already talked about that, but that is something I'm going to certainly take away from this interview. Um, but it's good to know that they're still combing social media trying to find some answers. I guess it's better than nothing. So this is the second disappearance that you've had in, in your family. And, of course, we've already talked about the staggering numbers regarding indigenous women in Canada who have been murdered and gone missing. It's over a thousand. And Mackie is one of those. Uh, if uh, Bonnie, uh, you know, we've already talked about her disappearance, of course, you know, devastating. And now, I mean, how does Mackie's disappearance even add to that? Can you even um, comprehend it that it's happened? It's like an elevated awareness. It's even even more pertinent because it's so close family tie. Mm-hmm. And it took its toll on our family too. Yeah. And continue taking its toll, but we continue, like I said before, we just continue to have hope that we'll have answers and we'll get answers and continue living our lives to to cope with all of it. There's days that are harder than, some days are harder. Some days it's hard to talk about and can't even, can't even bring, can't even bring ourselves to form words about what, what it is. And some days we can't even express the feelings that we have and the amount of different emotions that we go through in a split second, just knowing and just going through those emotions and trying our best to figure our way through them and keeping a good attitude so it doesn't continue affecting our personal life. Uh, Do you get to see her son Jameson very much? Is he around? Do you get to see him? Yep, we see him on the rise when we get it, when, whenever we see him. How's he doing? He's doing good. Okay. That's good. And I I kind of limit my, because my, I look a lot like my cousin. And the last time I seen him, he told me, Mom, they found you. And I had to tell him, no, it's me, Vanessa. Remember me, Jameson, Vanessa? He's just like, oh, 
they didn't find my mom. Yeah. So that's very yeah. sad, isn't it? That's very it's wow. That's tough. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he misses his mother quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I asked you this in the last conversation. I'm going to ask you again, and it already came up in the last conversation. But um, you do have a Facebook page set up for Mackie, and it's actually a combination of Mackie and Bonnie's disappearances. Why don't you give the exact title of that page uh, out to the listeners, if you could? Um, missing Immaculate Basil. And that is, uh, and you are the person who manages it? I'm you're one of them. One of them? You're one of the administrators? Okay. Well, I will uh, surely link to it for both of these uh, episodes uh, for sure. Anywhere else, I'm going to be linking to some other websites that I've run across, uh, especially there's one talking about uh, with all the pictures of all these uh, uh, native women of Canada who have. And and girls who have um, gone missing and been murdered. I'm going to be linking to that. I think that'll it'll show the listeners that uh, you know the extent of these crimes uh, that are happening up there in Canada. But um, anything else before we conclude this interview, Vanessa? No, I'm very, very emotional right now. <laughs> okay. So I'm having a hard time finding my words. Oh, that's fine. That happens. That happens quite a bit in these interviews, and I don't blame you at all. Uh, these these interviews, because of the way I do them, fairly thorough, technical, and uh, I know it can be tough on some guests. So uh, don't feel bad about that. It's perfectly normal. Uh, so... Um, but I do appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Vanessa Joseph, cousin of Immaculate Mackie Basil. I thank her for joining me and all of you on Unfound for the second time. As all of you know by now, I talk a lot about how relationships form the basis for many of the disappearances Unfound covers. And although I'm not sure there are any stats on the topic, my perception is that many women disappear shortly after getting out of relationships as well. Yes, sure, most of the time the cause is they did the dumping and their ex-husband or ex-boyfriend, and I suppose this could happen in lesbian relationships as well, come after them. Very common. Unfound's examples would be the cases of Linda K. Carroll and Robin Abrams. However, There are also many disappearances of women where they disappear just after a breakup has occurred and the ex isn't a suspect at all. He wasn't in the area, he wasn't emotionally motivated to make the woman disappear, and really by her disappearing, the ex's life gets worse, not better. A good unfound example of this would be Brandy Wells. And now we have this case of Mackie Basil. Why is this? Why do so many women disappear right after a breakup, even in cases where exes are not suspects at all? My theory is these women are so eager to get back into the swing of things, they've been out of the social life for so long that they maybe make choices they shouldn't. They put their better judgment to the side in an effort to be one of the crowd. In Brandy Wells' case, 
I absolutely believe that was a factor in her disappearance. Whereas, my suspicion is that women who are single for longer amounts of time better realize they have to watch where they go and what they do. They may just be a little more street smart. With Mackie, I can't help but think this is the same kind of situation as Brandy's. The father of her son had left the relationship. In fact, I'm guessing if she is still with this guy, Mackie doesn't end up at that party. But she wanted to be social, so she went. Also, she would have trusted her cousin Keith, even if she might have known Victor wasn't the greatest guy. But sometimes one decent guy isn't enough to get in the way of one bad guy. Moreover, if Mackie is still in her relationship, she might still go to the party, but does she go to the cabin with these two afterwards? Most likely not. That still leaves us, however, with trying to figure out what happened. It all seems so straightforward, but then Keith and Victor passed the lie detector tests. And according to Vanessa, a psychologist also believes their story that Mackie simply left. So I'm stuck. I'm caught between my common sense and what the RCMP thinks. What I think I can say for sure is Mackie's disappearance is not connected to the Highway of Tears. I don't believe she was caused to disappear by a serial kidnapper or killer. And although Keith and Victor should remain the main persons of interest, since it's been about five years, we may need to start looking at other possibilities. Possibly. Having said that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.